Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Mahler Bros Golf signature polos. Mahler Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those that want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MahlerBros.com for 15% off. You know when you're golfing, the sun's beating down and you want to take your shirt off because of the heat? These polos almost feel like you aren't wearing one at all. Are your polos getting outdated and dingy? Time to get new ones that will make you stand out on the course. You need Mahler Bros Golf Signature Polos. Their polos are a comfortable slim fit that will make you look and feel good when you're golfing with the boys. It can be tough to get the perfect golf polo, but Mahler Bros provides a product that looks great, fits great, and is effective when that sun is beaten down. You can also grab these perfect polos at the Belly Up t-shirts collection by going to maulerbros.com backslash belly up. Mauler Bros doesn't only have polos, they have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that family get together. Maybe a date. Who knows, maybe even at a college basketball game where you're witnessing the theater. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's spelled M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S.com. Again, 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good. Feel good. And of course, feel good. Play good. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi riding solo today, alone. Taylor Dammel doing some very important things that we've had to keep under or close to the vest, I should say. Keeping it very close to the vest, but it is exciting news. And we'll be dropping it here, maybe closer to the season. Regardless, he's not here. 
That's all you need to know. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day is Ethan Happ. I think enough time has now passed where Ethan Happ is a somewhat random, obscure, great college basketball player, former big man from Wisconsin. When he got the ball in the post, it seemed like a bucket every single time. His post moves were so fundamental. He had a great touch. But Ethan Happ was a very productive player for the Badgers over the course of his what seemed like six-year career. He is your college hooper of the day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feat is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dam. Let's open the curtains. Offseason rolls on, and we got a very special guest, a fun guest uh, coming up for you this episode from The Athletic, Tobias Bass. We had a great time chatting it up with Tobias, super nice guy, one of the rising stars in the media landscape. Go give him uh, a follow on Twitter. He's a Texas Tech guy. He is... Uh, a newsbreaker, like I said, follow him at Tobias underscore B-A-S-S. We had a lot of fun. Um, before we get into that, though, obviously, the Bob Huggins stuff. Bob Huggins uh, said a slur when discussing uh, his, his Xavier versus Cincinnati rivalry. Here is the statement that he put out earlier today on the Cincinnati radio program. I was asked by the, about the rivalry between my former employer, the university of Cincinnati and its crosstown rival Xavier university. During the conversation, I used a completely insensitive and abhorrent phrase that there is simply no excuse for. And I won't try to make one here. I deeply apologize to the individuals I have offended as well as to the Xavier university community, the university of Cincinnati and West Virginia university. Oh, he was apologizing to them too. Jeez, I can't read. As I've shared with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and actions, and I will fully accept any coming my way. I am ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I hurt. I must do better, and I will. So what is going to happen here now? I feel like this trend of bad behavior from coaches has been going on for quite some time. And... When I say quite some time, I'm talking about just 
dating back to last year. It seems like every three months, like every quarter, right? You know how in work you have your quarterly reviews, your quarterly updates. I'm waiting at the quarterly town hall to see which coach messed up. And here it is, Bob Huggins. Can't say that. Absolutely no place for saying that. And then if you listen to the audio, which I'm not going to play here, but you can find it. If you listen to the audio, obviously what Huggins said was, in his own words, abhorrent, and I agree with him. But you got these Jagaloon radio guys afterwards that just, I mean, maybe they were at a loss for words, but they weren't because they said, isn't Bob Huggins just the best? Isn't he the best? And I preferred to Bob Huggins as the best in the past. But I certainly haven't done it in light of him saying that. Bob Huggins, in his statement, acknowledges that he wasn't the best. And yet we got these radio hosts just being like, oh, Bob, you're just hysterical, man. Hilarious slur to throw out there. I'm telling you, I'm just waiting in three months' time what the next coach is going to do. And you know what I, I, I think is so hypocritical? So many media members and and older generational people They'll look at these college kids when they make mistakes at 18, 19, 20 years old, which they sh- some shouldn't be making them at that age, but mistakes are made at that age and they, they crucify them for life. They have zero, zero chance to make amends. I think John Morant has had some terrible, terrible decision-making and needs to mature ASAP. But John Morant's also in his early 20s, all right? There's opportunity for him to grow. And if he makes the same mistake, fine. Cast your doubt. Make your sweeping claim. But we have, we have like middle-aged coaches who preach to their players about responsibility and the actions that they take and the words that they say. And again, credit to Bob Huggins. He said that. He's like, look, I tell this to my team all the time. And now I'm, I have to be willing to face the consequences, but we have these guys telling, telling athletes that they can't do X, Y, and Z. And then I swear every three months we got something going on. We got New Mexico. We got things happening at New Mexico state, Chris Beard. I mean, what is happening folks? It's, and, and, and it seems like it's, it's happening quite often in the college basketball space. I'm telling you, this seems like the third or fourth time that we've had to address the question, will this coach be fired? And I think it's all very fair questions. I I, I mean, say what you want about Nate Oates and how he handled his situation, which was brought on by players. I'll admit that. But, man... Maybe hindsight's twenty twenty. It's it has nothing to do with Bob Huggins here. He just sh- shouldn't have said that, even in the moment. But it do- it sure does seem like we're we're talking about coaches far more often than I had ever really imagined, and it's kind of shocking to me. So we will have to see what happens next in Morgantown because the Mountaineers got a few transfers coming in, and. Again, this I mean, that shouldn't impact the decision that they make as it relates to Bob Huggins' future. But again, there is the basketball side of things that we have no choice but to look at. And 
if Bob Huggins gets fired and these kids have just now committed to West Virginia, what does that mean for them? We'll have to see. Um, all right, let's go ahead now, get to our interview with Tobias Bass. Like I said, it was a lot of fun and we appreciate him jumping on from the athletic here is Tobias Bass. All right. We are incredibly lucky to have on to theater and college hoops from the athletic. We got Tobias Bass joining us. Tobias, how are you doing? My friend, thank you for uh, spending some time. I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. I could be doing a little bit better. I, uh, did you watch any of the NBA playoffs this past weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I did. The first set, they were bad and blowout. And then the last, last night's game was good. Yeah. They were, they were pretty good overtime. And then, the last night's game was pretty solid, but those other two, I'm hoping tonight those games will be good. Look, man, from a competitive, entertaining perspective, Sunday was a great day, but I'm a Celtics fan, yeah. and I was okay. going yeah. through it. And I said it last episode, I'm so tired of them having to respond and put themselves in a place where it's like, just can can we finish this up? So that game right. really, it's, it's hanging over me, Tobias. I'm not going to lie. You know, that, that was – that that was that was a tough, especially you know. So he misses the go, the go the buzzer beater, then he makes the second one, but the time goes away. That's just a tough way to lose. But they'll the they'll bounce back. That was a must win game for Philly. So they I mean they had to win it, and they did. That's true. I mean, you're so you, I I texted it to my friends, and there is an account on Twitter that I follow, and I think it's great. It's like it doesn't just happen to your team, basically, because so many fan bases are like, oh, only this could happen to our team. But I swear yeah. only the Celtics, it'll happen where Marcus Smart misses that shot, hits the shot, but it's like 0.3 seconds late. Do you have a, yeah. do you have an NBA team? I re- I'm really more of a player's guy. Uh, I guess, if I, have, I mean, I like the Thunder. I was in the Thunder fan back when KD, Russ, and Harden were there, and I'll just stare root for them. My favorite player is uh, Damian Lillard, despite him frustrating me, but he's my favorite player. So, Should he be running from the grind? I mean, I, me and my friend, we argue about this all the time. Like, <laughs> Obviously, I know that he wants to win because I mean, he's, a, he's a hell of a player. I know he competes. He puts so much effort into it. It's just like, are you really comfortable losing like this? I mean, this went back-to-back years, not going to the playoffs for one. Then it's like, I mean, for him, you have to look at it from his perspective. He would disagree with me, but no one really expects him to win one, to be honest. He's going to be the greatest player to ever play there. Crap ton of money. They're going to build a statue of him when he's gone. He's a top 75 player all time, according to the list. Why? Why? Like, why, why, would, you, why would you leave? And I get it. He figures, like, you know, I want to get people to come with me, but it's Portland. Nobody wants to play in Portland. It's cold, rainy, and weird. I don't, want, I don't, I don't want, people don't even want to go to Portland, let alone play there. So why would you, you know, no one wants to go there. And I guess my last point is like, I don't like when he says, so he'll, he'll be on like another podcast and he'll be like, um, you know, I, I want to win, you know, this and that. I want to run away from the grind, you know, this and that. But then he'll tweet on Instagram uh, how long since I said, "Hey, bro, like you, we get it. Like you can't have it both ways. Like you, you either gonna, you either gonna accept because he's not stupid. He he knows that roster is horrible. He knows they can't win with that roster that he has. So let's make a change. But I, I, I just think that he, he's not gonna do it. He'll just probably he'll just be a great player in Portland. He won't win anything. 
He's got it. He's got it made, and I think he said that it might have been on Reddick's podcast, where he's like, "It's like I see my, I see my mom, or like you know, my my right. best friend comes out three days out of the week." You know, he's right. got a great, he's got a great thing, and all the things that you mentioned sure. are true. Uh, the other culprit of that, I'm okay with whatever Damian Lillard does. I just think he he's got. Same, I mean, yeah. first of all, he's so damn good, but also Same he's is. just got an awesome attitude. Like the other culprit, though, is Brad Beal. A little bit, and I like yeah. Brad Beal, but he does the he, same he, damn thing with the Wizards. Yeah, and his is interesting because he has a no trade clause where he can literally like trade for himself. So you know, if he wants to go to whatever team and they want to get a, a player that he likes or wants to play with, he can like he can say no, I want to play with that guy. So keep him, get somebody else. So his situation is, I think, much more intriguing. And I think I would at least hope over time he would want to. You know, maybe maybe they can team up together. I don't know. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe they can do that. I'm not sure, but I I just I'm just a big Dame fan. I, I want to see him on a winning state because he's good enough, and I feel that he could be one of those players. I mean, you look at his numbers compared to Kyrie; they're almost identical. It is Kyrie has a ring. So again, is he comfortable with just losing a lot? Because I mean, he has, and I'm 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 on his ass today. But he has some bad playoff losses. I mean, he lost to the. Nuggets, Jamal Murray was hurt. He didn't play towards ACL. He got swept by the Pelicans the year Boogie Torres Achilles got swept. No one talks about that. So, like, are you comfortable continuing that trend again or do you want to win? But I know he got his money and he got to see his family. I respect that too. You know, there's, there's, there's things bigger than basketball. So I won't, I, I can't knock it. Hey, let me tell you why people don't talk about those. It's because him and Michael Jordan are the only two players in NBA history to end two playoff series. Yeah. With a yeah. shot, so yeah, you're right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it's good. So I mean, let's let's dive into you, Tobias. I think it's super important for any guest that I have on to really peel back the layers, get a better understanding of their love for basketball. Where did it start? And obviously, this is a college basketball podcast, but it's the NBA playoffs right now. Just riffed a little bit on Damian Lillard, right? Where did you get your start from? Uh, let's say when you started loving college hoops up until now where you're at the athletic, which is incredible. I've always just been a big college hoops fan. Um, my little brother, he played in college. I've just been a big college hoops fan my, pretty much my whole life. I love the NBA, but I just like college hoops a little bit more, a little bit better. I think that just the way they play, I think they like play harder. There's no, you know, time, uh, low management. There's none of that. Every game they have to play. So I just like the sport a little bit better. And um, it's actually funny. Tomorrow I actually make a year with the athletics. So I'm actually excited for that. Congratulations, man. That's inc- that's incredible. First of all, who's your older brother? Uh, his name is Trey. Well, my younger brother, Trey John Jacob. He played at FIU three, four years ago. He's uh, He'll be overseas trying to finally get him a new contract right now. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, tell us about your journey, though. You go, you went to Texas Tech uh, yep. for school, and then, you know, when did it sort of click to you where you said to yourself, I want to cover this sport? Um, I – I guess my journey was interesting. So I went to a junior college first for two years, then went to Tech in 2016. I um, At that point, I immediately was trying to get in where I could fit in. So I worked for a paper there called the Daily Torridor. Um, my writing was solid, but I was I was having issues just like any other young writer. So they actually, like, let me go, you know, like a, like a year into it. So at that point, you know, I was just writing on my own. You know, I was in college, so you had to get to work somewhere, right? So I was – delivering cookies ironically I was delivering I was a cookie I was a cookie delivery guy so I was doing that for about a year then I, then I worked at a radio station there called KTXT 88.1 the radio I was I did their sports show two times a week and I was one of their beat reporters for the sports teams um 
my time there was also, you know, that was probably the peak of tech sport. You know, Patrick Mahomes was there. Um, tech went to a national championship in basketball. They lost, but they were there. That was the peak beard years. Uh, track won a national championship. Um, you know, soccer went to a couple of NCAA tournament runs. So it was the pretty much the peak era of uh, tech sports. And then um, graduated in December of 2018, spent about a year in grad school. Felt grad school wasn't helping me, went back home. You know what happened in 2020, we all do. I was at home maybe a week, 10 days max, and the pandemic hit. So all the jobs that I interviewed for, couldn't get it. You know, I was just like anybody else at that point, trying to hustle, trying to make it. Was working three jobs at that point, bro. You're trying to find a way to do it. So, I mean, like I said, a year ago, a year ago today, I was working three jobs, literally. So, you know, um, I just, I, I just, I guess my my biggest thing was, you know, anyone can do it. You just gotta, you just gotta just work hard. And um, I'm just thankful that I have, you know, I'm in a stable situation working with the athletic now. That's an incredible journey, Tobias. I'm curious to know. How do you view your writing or the way you cover the sport, your journalism? How do you view that improvement over the course of the last few years, right? You discussed and you talked about how you just got it started out and yeah. you were relieved of your services. And now you're contributing to one of the biggest platforms uh, and certainly one of the most reliable <laughs> news outlets that I get yeah. in my information for, especially for any sport, but certainly college uh-huh. basketball. I mean, take us through that, that, arc and and your improvement i think it's just all about the reps you know this is the industry where like reps matter you know they're you're covering different sports different whatever but the reps matter you got to be able to you know work for places and get your reps up and get you just practicing whether it's on your own time or whether the world can see and i was just really big into that and i mean for me i was working three jobs you know i didn't want to keep doing that so like i attacked what i wanted aggressively so i was you know pandemic i, I kind of saw it as an opportunity you know people athletes they couldn't play a sports they were at home just like i was they were watching movies just like me so i went dm diving i was dming any nba nfl baseball player you could think of and i had a pocket at the time so i was bringing them on as yes and i i was i got lucky a few times and they actually were nice enough to come on and that helped not only like my you know my talking skills but also my writing skills trying to, trying to build a script you know i was interviewing if some of them want to do a podcast i was interviewing them directly and writing it up so that really did help me uh, going forward. I got to take that term from you, DM diving, because I haven't heard it. That's exactly what I did to you. Right? Yeah, I had, it, it works. It works. It absolutely. I mean, what's the worst they can do? Not respond right. or, uh, or you know, say no. But it, I'm, I'm curious to know who were some of your guests that you had on. Um, I had Delvin Bro, this, the uh, DBs who played for the Saints. Had a uh, Lofa Tatupu, uh, Seahawks linebacker. Um, Anthony Spencer, Cowboys linebacker on there. Trevor Booker, he played for the NBA for a while. He was on there. Ronnie Brewer was another. Um, I interviewed – it was written by Dita Renee Montgomery, the WNBA player. She was one. Um, Shekana Hill, she was like one of the first like, – excuse me, she was like one of like two people to ever have a quadruple-double like ever. So I brought her on. It was, it was written as well. Um, I, I, had a, I had a couple good guests. I, I, had, a, I had a really, really good group of guests. I, I was just – I was just really, really lucky and fortunate. Definitely. So, Tobias, I want to dive in now to a little bit of this offseason, get your perspective, get your thoughts. Uh, Bronny James, we have yeah. a decision. Bronny is staying close to dad, going to USC. First of all, just my thoughts on it. Uh, I think this is a great fit. I think USC has a really strong team, and in, in my estimation, is the best team on paper in the Pac-12 between, you know, 
Ronnie Collier, but then again, guys like Vinci with Chuck Wu, who I thought was mm-hmm. tremendous. And Andy Enfield can coach some basketball. Uh, I'm curious to know, though, your thoughts on on Bronny James. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, especially with the player and the person himself. Uh, let me start first from a team perspective. What do you think this commitment means for the Trojans? And I think that the, the gym is going to be – it's going to be a zoo. I think that all their games are going to be packed. Um, it'll be a good environment. I think every single game, no matter where they are, because everyone wants to see Bronny. But I like the fit. I think they call you. I was at the McDonald's American game, the practices and the game. So their rapport, looked, it looked, they play well. They play well together. They can feed off of each other. You also bring back Boogie Ellis. You know, he's a big-time scorer for them last year. So I do like the fit. They're probably going to be a little small in the backcourt, but they'll get up and down the floor. They'll run. So I think them – being able to run and being, you know, like a pest defensively, I think that'll help them. But I'm, I'm excited for him, and I'm definitely want to see what it looks like. Do you have any insight on how this transpired, Tobias? Because I mean, obviously, guys like me, I'll speculate and say, well, of course, he's close. He's staying close, and he's yeah. in LA, and it's a good program. Yeah. Uh, but did you have any behind the scenes knowledge of of how this transpired or what you heard? Um, behind the scenes, not, I mean, not really. I was on the train for USC early because it just, it made, the, it made the most sense to me. So, you know, he, so he cut it down. It was with Ohio State, Oregon, USC, G League, OTE. I didn't think he would go to the G League because they never offered him a contract. OTE wanted him really bad, but it didn't make sense. I was like, the development, I don't, you know, the, it, it's hard for them to control the narrative at OTE. The OTE will protect them, but he's not touchable there. And, you know, I like OTE. It's cool for what it is, but you can't see him. Bonnie needs to be seen. So college route made the most sense. So you get down to Oregon. Oregon has Timmy Donaldson, Americans coming, Mookie Cook, Kwame Evans. You have Jackson Selstead, who won player of the year in the state of Oregon. That would have made sense, but I was told Oregon really wasn't pursuing him like that. Ohio State would have been fine, but they have a really good recruiting class. I said, he's not going to get in that log jam. And then they bring back Roddy Gale and one of the other four-star point guards. So he's not going to go there if it doesn't make sense. So you pretty much, you're left with USC. And then any that any that home, they can control the narrative. You can stay at home. Perfect fit. Yeah. I think it'll be really neat, like you had said. I want to see Braun at the Galen Center. I think that's going to be yeah. really cool, not only just for – the USC fan base and the Trojans, like the players, but even the opposing players, right? How often do you get to play in front of LeBron James like that? Right. I, I, it'd be it'd be cool to see him in a in a venue on the road. I don't know if right. it would ever coincide, right, with with LeBron and the Lakers playing in a, a in a road state like USC. But I think that'd be right. cool. Uh, Tobias, I'm curious to know your thoughts on what we should expect from Bronny because I think it's very important to. Uh, look, first and foremost, say he's he's not going to be his dad at this age. Uh, I right, think there are right. some. I think there are some foolish, foolish, and and people who are just I don't know. Maybe they hate LeBron James, and they're like, oh, I want to see his son fail. There's certain people like that. What's fair to expect from Bronny James? I think immediately him playing. So he's better off the ball to me than he is on, which isn't a knock. It's just what he did. Collier. On the other hand, he's probably one of the best passers, playmakers I've seen in a long time, and I mean over five-plus years. So he'll make Bronny look really, really good via catch and shoot, you know, attacking off the dribble. So I think I think Bronny will be solid. He, he's playing with a couple you know, a couple other guys that got college experience underneath their belt. So I think, I think that he'll be solid. I think immediately he'll be a 3-and-D guy for sure. 
immediately from the jump. I mean, he's more athletic than the traditional 3 and D guy as well. So you'll see him get those highlight-making steals with dunks and and one finishes around the rim. Do we expect him to have an immediate impact for the team, or do you think there's going to be a learning curve, much like a a lot of other freshmen? Right, there'll be a learning curve. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He just – he's never played college basketball before, and that league will be much better than it's been before in the past. So – you know, in fact, they play different basketball than other leagues do. It's pretty basketball. Four out, one in, five out, get up and down the floor, score a bunch of points. It's just different. So I think he'll adjust fine. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, though. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see him. So uh, Bronny there at USC, we talked a little bit about those expectations and what we can uh, look forward to. Another name. Though, you know, a familiar face. Look, at this point, Bronny's familiar familiar face now at a new right. place. Another familiar face in college basketball, but a more seasoned veteran who we kind of can expect. Or we know what to expect. Hunter Dickinson. Hunter mm-hmm. Dickinson has gone to Kansas. Let me take a step back. As someone who covers the sport and covers personalities and co- covers players, uh, do you like Hunter Dickinson from the outside? No, I do. He's He's – he, he's funny to me. So, I, I mean, I like those big personality guys. They're fun because, you know, sometimes the sport can be so serious and everything has to be buttoned up. You like to see a guy like that. Drew Timmy was the same way. They have big personalities. They make the sport fun. I, I like the way you said that. Last episode, actually, when we were recording, it was the night prior to him making that decision. Mm-hmm. And I was like, him going to Kansas would be the least amount of fun for someone like me who's just all about the storyline because I already know – What's going to happen? He's going to be dominant. Yeah. Kansas is going to yeah. be dominant. It's Bill Self. I would. I, I wish he he went to Maryland. Um, but in terms of how we got to Hunter Dickinson being a villain, it's it's weird to me. Like I, I personally think he's just kind of a soft spoken white, like vanilla white guy. But he is a villain, right? Like, how did we yeah. get to this point, Tobias? How do you think? I mean, he's been good from the jump. You know, people hate greatness. You know, when you're good for so long. They, they hate you. That, that's just, that's just, you know, that's, that's just what it is. So I think one, he's been good. And two, he's very, um, he's going to say how he feels and he doesn't care whether, you know, whether he's wrong or right. He's going to say that. I don't think people like this. So you have him being really good. And then he likes to talk. Those things sometimes don't mess with everyone wants the humble guy, you know, well, I'm just happy to be here type of thing. He knows that he's here. He's arrived. He know he can play. He's going to tell you about it. So I, I respect him. I like him a lot. Yeah. Do, do we think that, uh, do we think that he's going to have to rein it in a little bit with Bill Self, or do you think Bill Self's going to let him be who he is? I think Bill will protect him. I think Bill will protect him. And then I think, I mean, if you if you bring it in Hunter Dickens, you've got to let him be himself. I think I think you have to let him be himself. That's, that's what made him such a great college player so far. So what can he bring to the table there for Kansas? I mean, look, we're looking at a team that's two years removed from a national title. I had them go into the final four until they got picked off by Arkansas. I was, I'm still kind of reeling from that, but they're probably going to be a one seed again come selection Sunday. Uh, what are we looking at here with this Kansas team, who in my estimation is probably the best team entering the season on paper with him? He still got Dewan Harris, who's one of my favorite point yeah. guards like ever. Honestly, yeah, really uh, like this team is just always loaded, but Hunter Dickinson adds that nev- next level. Tell me about the fit. What you what you see? Not the fit. I think people 
people don't realize how good of a passer he is. I don't I don't like comparing him to NBA players, but for his level, he's kind of similar to Sabonis with the Kings. He can he can do similar things. He's not gonna have as many assists, he just it's not possible, but he can do that. You know, you can put him, you can give him the ball on the low post, he can make decisions. They're gonna trap him. He can kick the ball, he can pass with either hand. He's gonna be able to showcase, I think, to how much of a passer he is. And they have dudes. I mean, you have Harris, uh, Timberlake, who was like a 17, 20-point scorer at Townsend. You have Arteria Morris, who's one of the most talented players in the country, McDonald's All-American type of guy. And you have K.J. Adams, who's a rim runner. So the fit, I think the fit's perfect. And I think he's going to bring a different dynamic to what Kansas have had. Because remember when they had Azabuki, but he was just a bruiser. He was just a physical specimen that you couldn't stay in front of. Dickinson, he can do both. He's both power and finesse. So I think that he'll bring present a different issue that – they probably haven't seen Kansas have before, and I think they're just going to be really, really good. If they can make shots, particularly Terrio and uh, Timberlake, and he's made shots, they're going to be really, really hard to stop because you can't, you can't do anything. You can't trap, can't double. You're going to have to pretty much let them work down there. I'm, it's a great point you bring up about their big men. I'm honestly trying to remember the last finesse sort of guy that they had down low. I mean, you think of guys like David McCormack, right? He's power. You think of Doak. He's, he's probably power. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is a lazy comp. I'm going back to Jeff Withy, but he was, he was a great shot blocker. Like I gotta be missing some finesse big guys. Right. Cause like Ellis, you know, he was there. I I feel like he was there a decade, but he, you know, he was shooting mid-range jumpers, but he was, he was he was obviously nowhere near as good as Hunter Dickinson, but he was a solid player. Yeah, I can't – I mean, indeed, he was unique. At the, he was unique. Um, he was unique. I mean, obviously, he's, he's a great MVP of the league, but maybe him – and that was that was so long ago. That was, you know, seven, six, seven years ago. So, I think that he'll just present a different problem that, that they – that the opposing teams haven't seen from Kansas. Yeah, this might be a s- silly and foolish question, but how much do you think NIL played in this decision for for Hunter? Oh uh, God, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm I'm sure it definitely played a role because I don't know what his NBA career looks like, so he's gonna make a crap ton of money in college. But I'm I'm sure I'm sure it played a role. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's living a good life to be 21, however old he is. I'm sure he's living well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to that that marriage there between. Hunter and and Bill Self. Did you ever for a second think that he was going to return to Michigan though? Because no. I saw it on his list and I was like, come on, there's no way he's why why even put it out there for, for Michigan fans? Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of do that to kind of relieve the pressure out themselves from Twitter because you know they're kids. They they read they read their stuff, they're human. So I think I mean, you see a lot of kids do that, you know, with the option to return to the school, none of those guys come back. None of them. So I think they do that just to kind of let the fans be a little nicer to him, I think. I'll tell you what. I I, I think I mentioned it, but I really wish he went to Maryland because that way he mm. would have gotten to play Michigan again. Uh, he would have yeah. gone to the school that supposedly spurned him out of high school. Uh, mm. It just would have been so good for the storyline, I think. Georgetown, Syracuse, I was like, nah, I don't need much yeah. out of them. Yeah, I mean, you have the I mean, Villanova would have been interesting. They they have TJ Bamba, Hakeem Hart, his old high school teammates over there as well. So that would have been fascinating. And, and Villanova was bad last year, so you know they're looking to get back to Villanova basketball. So I would have, I would have been excited anywhere he went. You know, Kansas. I mean, the rich just keep getting richer. Well, it's it's so it's so funny, right? For people like you who cover the sport, can you remember a name this big and a decision? I guess this big in the off season because we haven't had to deal with NIL in the past. 
so many more names are, are, are transferring. And then you think of a guy like Hunter Dickinson. I mean, people were doing their best to make it like some like for NBA free agency, which is a whole nother beast yeah. where folks are like looking at different airplane travel schedules and like these grainy fo- photos. I remember they took a grainy photo of, of Hunter stepping out of the SUV and Kyle Neptune's yeah. there greeting him. Right. Can you remember another, I don't know. I, this isn't the LeBron decision, but another decision like this in college basketball that, uh, that people were so keen on. No, because I, I think to, I like, I think what made it so, you know, so big was how quiet, like this camp, you know, people were speculating, you know, no one really knew until the end type of, type of vibe. So I, I like how he handled it. I like how he was, you know, it was super quiet and he, he picked the right school for him. So, but no, I can't think of a, it's because it, the portal so new, you know, before you had to sit out, so no one was transferring. So I can't think of another big decision. I'm sure over the years we'll have another one of the, it might even be next year. Who knows? It could be this year. Who knows? But I think we'll see more of this going forward. I think it's a great point you bring up also, Tobias. He he did keep it close to the vest. And yeah. for a guy that a lot of people may describe as flapping his gums and a villain and and this braggadocious bravado, uh, when it comes to his decision, he, he kept it close. He did what he – he took yeah. care of what he had to do. Um, another huge name recently that transferred, Matthew Cleveland. He's going mm-hmm. to Miami now from Florida State. I don't know if you saw that photo of him from this past season – uh, doing the U downwards, but that is, of course, mm. <laughs> resurfaced. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on Matthew Cleveland heading to the the in-state rival? A good player. He'll just come in and take over Isaiah Wong's spot. I think he's talented enough to even maybe even be a pro one day. He was the top, what, 50, 40 kid in the country. So I think that um, him getting out of the environment that he was in and going to a winning program, Florida State, they've generally won his last year. They weren't very good. So him going to a team that just went, came off a Final Four run, He'll be right there next to Nigel Pack. I think they'll be good. I think they have a good chance. Norchad on the year should come back as well. They'll they'll be legit. They'll, they'll have a good team again next year, and I'm excited to see them. How much do you think? I'm I'm just trying to picture this here. Okay, like you're a 18, 19 year old kid, and Jim Laranega, who was old when I was 18 and 19, which was about 15 years ago is coming to knock on your door and he's still getting it done with transfers and recruits and he's st- and he's staying recent. He's staying up to date. He's staying cutting edge. Like you said, right off of a, a final four berth and an elite eight the year prior. So winnings matter, but it's, it's, it's honestly crazy to me, the job that Jim Laranega is doing in this stage of his career. You know, it's crazy. I mean, one is hard to turn down Miami. Just all the things that come with it. NIL is popping, you know, remind me because most schools probably not going to be able to match what they're willing to offer. And they're good. You know, they're, they're good. So when you add in location, coach, winning, money, it's hard to say no to that. And, you know, they and them coming off of a Final Four, I mean, no one thought Miami was going to the freaking Final Four. No one thought that. So them coming off such a recent – having so much success recently, I think that played a significant role in this, in this decision. And he didn't go far. You know, he, went, he didn't go that far from where he played. So I, um, I think – I think it makes it, but he's done a he's done a phenomenal job. People were starting to write him off, you know, after a little while, you know. So, for him to be able to bounce back at, at this age, where the coaches are getting younger and younger, and the sport has just changed drastically, he's done a phenomenal job. It's kind of crazy to see the state of Florida State now, though. And when I say the state of of the program, uh, maybe you yeah. can help me out with my words, Tobias. But Florida <laughs> State right now, where would you rank them in terms of? 
schools in Florida, right? We already got, we had two of them in the final four in Miami and FAU. (laughs) I mean, you got Florida who actually is playing under first year, Todd Golden. I thought they did well. They lost Castleton at the end for, with a broken hand, but they, Florida state has just really struggled the last couple of years. Yeah, they, yeah, they they struggled. I think some of the guys that they brought in, they just didn't pop. They they they, they didn't hit like they probably thought they were. They have a good recruiting class coming in, a portal class coming in. I'll say, so maybe you know they'll get back to that Florida State thing. But he was known for you know length and depth. It's kind of hard to do that when your when your starters aren't very good. So you, you know, so I think he has to just kind of get back to what it was. And I trust Leonard. He's a great coach. I think he'll eventually get those guys back to what it was. But I don't know. I just think maybe sometimes the appeal, the appeal of it isn't, you know, isn't what it's been before in the past. And when you have schools like FAU and Miami and even Florida, they're, they have guys putting them in the NBA. I think that that also plays a role into it. You know, it, now he has to compete. Before Florida State, they were just better than everyone. So now he actually has to compete against those other schools. I, I do want to see him pop back up because I do like Leonard Hamilton. And I want to see yeah. uh, the ACC, you know, more competitive. I, th- I actually thought they got a bad rap this last year yeah. I think a lot of people were dumping on the ACC and then all of a sudden yet again final four team from the ACC Duke yeah. was playing really well towards the end of the season I think we were just I mean Virginia was there obviously they got upset but I didn't think the ACC was uh, as bad as a lot of people might have said it was this past year yeah I think it won because the Big 12 was so good one and then you know the ACC they're gonna knock, they're gonna knock on they have so many teams so I mean what was it four years ago they sent what, eight teams there, some big number like that. So I think that, you know, Zion kind of sensationalized the ACC for a little bit because how popular it was. And, you know, when you have Duke and Carolina, when they're not, you know, Duke Duke put it on at the end, towards the end of the season, but you have Carolina, who's a preseason one, they don't even make the tournament. That's tough. Well, yeah, you, that, that, yeah. it, it is. But you know who really disappointed me, man? Because I was ready to go 10 toes deep. Just because I like new, fresh blood, Clemson. Clemson had a great start to the season and then the yeah. wheels just came off. I, I was like, look, I think I think they're going to get across the finish line. They don't even get their name called on Selection Sunday. It hurt me. You know, I like the team. They had some injuries in the middle of the year. Um, yeah, that was and – I, and I like the team. I know there's a couple of guys in their stuff. I wanted to make the tournament so bad. They just haven't been, you know – good in a while you know they you know and I, I wanted to see them get there maybe they'll be able to pull something off next season since we're on the ACC between these teams who do you think is poised to make a who do you think is the most dangerous to punch their ticket to the dance whether it be winning the ACC tournament which is difficult to know or uh getting an at large BC Georgia Tech Notre Dame I'm I'm probably going to go with Georgia Tech. So you bring over Amari Abram. He's a, I'm from Houston. He's a Houston boy, so I'm always going to root for him. Miles Kelly should come back. You bring over uh, Kawasee Reeves from Florida. You brought in the big from um, NC State. And I, and, I, and I just trust – I just trust Coach. I just trust Stoudemire. I think he, he coached in the NBA. He played in the NBA. I think that he'll be able to bring players over there. I think I trust them a little bit yeah, the most out of those group and those group of three, I'll trust them the most. Notre Dame, you know, had a coaching change. I'll, I'll go with Georgia Tech. 
I'm looking forward to it. I got I got a root for Georgia Tech, and I'm an Arizona guy. Uh, if if Damon doesn't work out, I'm wondering what the next Arizona point guard is that they'll bring in to to be their head yeah. coach, of course. But uh, no, that's interesting, and I, I want to see those those three teams get back to their to their winning ways. So Tobias, I, I want to focus in on on your school though, right? I want to focus mm-hmm. in on Texas Tech because when we take a look at this six to seven year window. I think people are going to forget about how tumultuous it really has been. And when I say tumultuous, I mean both ups, which were great, and some of the downs, which are really low. But this six-year window has been crazy for the folks in Lubbock. And I want to get your perspective on a lot of things. Uh, First and foremost, this past season and with Mark Adams, because two years ago it seemed like folks didn't want to leave Texas Tech even when Chris Beard did because Mark Adams was going to succeed him. And now here we are uh, with him gone and obviously a new head coach we'll get into. But crazy past couple seasons first. We'll start there. Yeah, I mean, it was was a crazy couple years. You had the beer years. First year they weren't good, which is expected. Then they immediately go to an Elite Eight. Then they go to a national championship game the following year. Beer leaves. They don't miss a beat. They go to with a Sweet 16. They were moments from going to another Elite Eight. So I think one, at that time, the culture was so strong, and the tech was fun. You know, they were the new hottest thing on the block at the time, and, and, and you know, not only did people want to come in and play, their admissions were skyrocketing. And everyone wanted to go to Tech. You saw their, even their enrollment went up, because we it was buzzy. It was cool. So I think they kind of have to get back. And I think McCaslin will do. They have to kind of get back with what got them there. I know he'll do things his own way, which he should, but Tech is not a – place where they're going to get McDonald's All-American five-star guy. Look at the players that they've had the last couple of years. These aren't five-star kids. These are under-the-radar, grinded-out type of type of players. And I think that's what you can sell and what you, which, which you, can, which you can recruit there. So every, every school, they have a niche. You hear Jay Wright when he was coaching at Villanova. He didn't recruit McDonald's All-American because he wanted guys to be there for a few years. Villanova was the same way. They would bring up in Virginia. They wouldn't recruit McDonald's All-American players. They would bring in those four-star, three-star guys you can go to the NBA, you're probably going to be here a couple of years. And that's why they're good every single year because they found their niche and they stuck to it. I think Tech has to get back to doing that. So when Mark Adams was dubbed the head coach, did you think that this could be the long-term solution? Mm. I thought it was – and I like Mark. I just thought it was – I thought it was a safe hire. I thought it was safe. I mean, when you have Beard leave so abruptly, and especially how he did it, they were a little hurt. Fans were hurt. Everyone was hurt. So you bring over bit. his, you know, yeah, you know, they were hurt. So you bring over his number two, and I think it was a safe, easy hobby. Also, he was he was older. I didn't think he would be coaching forever. So at some point, this was, you know, I didn't think it would end in two, three years. But I thought that he would be a little bit longer. But I didn't think he would be coaching that long time. No. I'll tell you what. I picked them to the Elite Eight last year. Mm. They gave Duke a hell of a game, man. Yeah, they gave they gave Duke a hell of a game, and I I thought they were going to be able to pull that off. But Texas Tech, you you talk about that culture, it's it's one of the main reasons why I actually picked them to go deep the last couple of tournaments. I mean, we we saw it, and I'm I'm looking forward to what Grant McCaslin can build because, as a matter of fact, when Texas opened up, when that job opened up uh, earlier this past season. I was saying, look, look out for Grant McCaslin, who knows the recruiting area. He's done great things at North Texas. He beat Purdue in the NCAA tournament. What can what mm. what do you think Grant McCaslin's going to bring to Lubbock? 
I think right now the culture has kind of been shaky. You know, they need some stability. It's hard for kids to thrive and play well when it isn't stable. That's in any sport. So I think that he'll come in and make it stable. He'll do things his own way, which he should. But I think he'll just bring back some respect and just overall just overall just stability to the program. Because I think right now they had a bunch of mess going on last year. Get all that stuff out the way. He's going to come in there and get it back to how it should be, you know. There's just certain things that shouldn't be public that shouldn't be out there, and I think he'll fix all those things and get that program back and shit going and uprise. Texas Tech, even like they, even throughout a tough season last year, they made it interesting at the end, right? Yeah. They they they, yeah. they they there was some bubble talk, and then I think I forget who they lost to, but uh, it was maybe the second to last game of the season. Yeah. That yeah. was that was like all right, you got to win the conference tournament now, but. Uh-huh. You know the, the the pieces could still be there, and I'm I'm looking forward to. I always enjoy seeing a coach who's paid his dues and has shown success at a mid major level now come up to the big time, especially in the Big Twelve. All right. Um. All right. Let's get to some quick hitters though. Here, Tobias, if you don't mind, we'll have a little fun okay. here. All right. I'm I'm looking okay. on your uh, your Twitter bio. Bass bomb. You mm-hmm. got to tell us about this. Is it strictly alliterative? Where did that come from? Uh, one of my mentors, his name is Sean. Uh, I was breaking some news. He said, Tobias, you have to get like a slogan, like Woj. Like Woj has the Woj bomb. We were sitting there going back and forth. I don't know. I don't even know why we were doing We were going back and forth. He was like, base bomb? No, that doesn't know. He said, that's not your last name. He said, wait, bass bomb? I said, I said that, that'll work. I think, I think that'll work. So I started like tweeting it at the end of my tweets. Um, and it took off, you know. I think it's, I think it's kind of cool, actually, that you know it kind of just took off. People like it. Some people don't like it. I think it's kind of like arrogant in a way. So I stopped tweeting it at the end of my tweets because they thought it was like me being arrogant. So I just I just took it out of my tweet. I left it in my bio. No, man. What do I have to do to get you to get get back to that? Who cares about? No, I'll, I'll get, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll get back to doing. It. I always thought it was cool. Some people don't kind of tweet it for me, so I always think that's that's kind of cool. So I I like it. What was what was the story you were breaking? Do you remember? Like that inspired basketball? I think it, I don't think it was something specifically. I think it was just overall. I was just breaking some portal news and some recruitment news over the over that particular summer and spring, and he was just like, "You got to come up with the slogan." Gotcha, gotcha. All right, hey Tobias, I want to get back to Texas Tech real quick. It's you know okay. we're still having some fun. I'm going to show you a picture. All right. Okay. Can you tell me who this was out on? And for those that uh, can't see, this is the controversial Davide Moretti, DeAndre Hunter yeah. play. Who's the, who's this ball out on? I mean, so I was actually there for this game. I was covering this game. I was here. So, I mean, based on I mean, based on this picture, I mean, first of all, I thought, not even I thought based Davide on the picture. What did you think? I, I thought Davide was fouled. I thought that he was. I mean, they beat him up and then you know they, they didn't call it. i'm not going to blame the whole game on this one particular play but this was huge right here this was this was this was huge and i thought that davide got fouled and they should have called it but you know the ref saw it saw it differently so you're you're there in the building you said you're covering it right so was it was difficult to was it difficult to sort of take your fan hat off and put on your journalism hat or did you even have to do that so you know, we always told in meeting when we had events like this, you know, you can't cheer. Well, I wasn't cheering, but everyone in the building wanted Tech to lose. Like, the, the media guys sitting next to me, you know, they would Tech would make a shot, they would be pissed. I was like, 
I didn't even think you could do that. Like, I, th- I thought you had to be like pretty, you know, pretty stoic, pretty quiet in the media room. But they were like, they were pissed when like Tech took leads and they were look- looking like it might have gone Tech's way. I thought that was super weird. I didn't cheer or anything like that because I want to be as professional as possible. But I thought that was really, really odd. Some of these dudes, they were, these were like big writers. These were, you know, these were like, these were big writers. They were like cheering against Tech. And I was like, I guess, you know, I didn't want to be that type, be that guy. But I mean, I, I was, I was quiet. I didn't cheer. I was pissed when they lost, but I was pretty quiet. Is it, do you think it was a result of, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes, them saying, look, I got the perfect write-up for this turnaround season for Virginia. It's like, if Tech wins, I don't have that. But if Virginia wins, it's from arguably the greatest upset ever to, at that point it was, greatest upset ever to national champions. I'm assuming that's what they were going for. Yeah, I think there's, you know, Tech winning wouldn't have been the pretty story. You know, I mean, it was kind of like this year's Final Four. I mean, FAU, they did was awesome, but everyone wanted UConn because it made it made the most – it was it was an easy story to write. You know, they get their fifth championship, Hurley, they have NBA players. You know, people weren't checking for FAU two months ago, a year ago. You know, the program's not even that old. You know, you look at – Miami, Larry Nagel was interesting, but who else on that team was, like, really interesting? You know, they, they didn't have the, the storyline. And, then, you know, San Diego State had a bunch of 30-year-olds playing. You know, so no one really thought – no one no one thought that story was, it was interesting either. So UConn would have been the prettier story and the closest thing they had to a blue blood at the time that was there. Man, I get all that. I do. But being from the Northeast and, and not having gone to UConn, which – in hindsight, from a strictly basketball perspective, was one of the worst decisions yeah. I've ever made. But can I can I play devil's advocate and be like, I've seen this literally what four, right. four times before? Yeah. I can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it with these guys anymore. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I, I guess I find it interesting how people they get mad when people win, but certain sports they don't complain or cry. When the Lakers and Celtics win championships, no one says a thing. When UConn women basketball was winning championships every year. Didn't say nothing. Alabama didn't say anything. But in certain sports, Patriots, they just hate it. They just hate that they win all the time. And I was like, I, I always wonder why do we do this for certain sports? It's so true. And maybe not even strictly sports. Yeah. Like, like you got the Warriors. I mean, you, you mentioned the right. Lakers and Celtics. But you got the Warriors. Everyone hates them. All right. They hate <laughs> After them. This. They hate them. It's they so hate them. So, you know, I, 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 always, I always just find it it's weird why we do that for certain sports. Yeah, UConn's really not a villain, are they? Maybe to some of their yeah. Big East rivals like Providence or yeah. Georgetown or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like it's not like Bobby Hurley is is the quietest person. Yeah, <laughs> they right. got some villain tendencies, don't they? No, definitely they do. Um, hey, t- tell me about the team or the person you have had the most fun covering in your in your journey. The team or the person I had the most fun covering—that's a good question. Uh, I mean. Only teams. I mean, I, you know, I was up close and personal with the with the tech teams. I always thought that was cool. Um, I guess for me, believe it or not, as far as a team I've covered, I always liked covering. When I was at tech. I always liked covering the uh, women's soccer. Women's soccer team. They were one. They were really good when I was there. Then two, just kind of getting to know them personally because you know they didn't. I mean, they were good and people came out and supported them. But it was just different. It wasn't like football, like basketball. So being around them and the coach, he had a really, really he had a really, really big. Uh, he had a really, really, really big personality, so he always made it fun for us, you know, as media guys, who kind of like challenge us in a way. Um, but no, I, I, that was probably the most fun, fun, um, fun team that, that that I've had. Very cool. Who in 
the media space. Have you kind of been, have you ever been starstruck by someone in the media space that you've met, like covering games or working on something? Um, have you, have you had the opportunity to meet a lot of people and is there anyone that's kind of stopped you in your tracks? Um, starstruck, no. But when we were in, I was at the McDonald's All American game a couple, I guess a couple of months ago now, I got to meet uh, Rich Paul. We were sitting in the, uh, in the tunnel waiting to go to our seats and, he was sitting right next to me. I mean, he, he's actually really nice. He's actually like really, really nice. So, you know, getting to talk to him for, for a couple of minutes was always, was pretty cool. That's amazing. That is amazing, that man. Cool. Like he is, was, yeah. Rich Paul is truly one of the greatest American success stories in my estimation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you get to meet Adele too? Was she there? No, no, Adele, Adele was not there, but LeBron and his family were, uh, you know, they were, they were right next to him as well. So, but no, Rich, he was, he was really, really nice though. I, you know, I never met him before at that time, but he was he was a good guy. I mean, were you able to chop it up about certain things? Like what what were what were you guys talking about? Uh, we were just you know just talking about just I, I really want to introduce myself. We have a mutual friend in the um, in the NBA, so once he knew that I knew him, he was pretty much cool going forward after that. That's very cool. That's I mean yeah. that'd be that 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 stopped me in my tracks for sure. Uh, Tobias, I'm curious to know, and I think this is good advice for anyone who's looking to get into the industry. What would you say the biggest challenge in your day to day is for your job? The biggest challenge is, um, I guess, that for me, people, you know, everyone wants to, everyone wants to be first, but I'm more big on being right. I'd rather be second to right than first and wrong. So, especially like with me as a newsbreaker, per se, you got to get you got to get that stuff right because people because everyone wants to rush and post something. So for me. You know, credibility is everything, especially working for the athletic, me as an individual. You want to be credible no matter what. So taking those few seconds, that text message, that extra call, I think generally speaking, it goes um, it, it goes a long way in, in the long run. I mean, do you think you're seeing that in the, in the media space? I'm not asking you to name names or anything like that, but do you think you're seeing a, a rush to just break news regardless if it's accurate or not? I, I see it in some areas. Some areas, yes. Some areas, no. Um, I think the ones that do it the right way, they end up getting the most out of it. I think some of the ones that do rush or whatever, you you may have a you may have a tough time. So I think you just have to just be careful, especially on social media. Now, social media is just different. It's just it's just different. So you have to you have to be careful. And it's, you know, because it's amazing how fast a tweet can blow up or how fast something can get around. So I just think you have to be careful with what you're posting and how you go about it. From a personal standpoint, I mean, I'm glad you said that because from a personal standpoint, I had mentioned free agency. We were talking about the Hunter Dickinson decision and because it went on for so long, I I, personally, I don't care or have the time to deal with the drama and the waiting out and all the speculation, really like this account with 5,000 followers, which seems credible, right? That's the only way we base credibility these days says Hunter Dickinson's going to Maryland. And it's like, Oh, I heard that. Like there's no point for me to get that worked up until I hear it from a credible source. So here's what I'm going to do for all my college basketball news. I'm just going to search bass bomb, maybe even the little (laughs) fish uh, emoji. And that's how I'll validate. All right. You good with that? Right. I appreciate that. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Tobias, I'm going to get you out of, out of here on this. This is what we ask every one of our guests that have been so kind to join, talked about DM diving, um, and I did that with you. But we have this segment called Bring Them Up on Stage. Tobias, okay. is there anyone that you can recommend in the college basketball space or even outside uh, 
that you think would have fun coming on to this program and sharing some stories as you were so kind to do? Anyone that would recommend having some stories? Um, Who do you think I should reach out to basically? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, have you met Joe Tipton before? DM'd him. I have not gotten a response from him though. I'll, I'll ask him. He's, um, he's, I mean, he, he, he's a, he's a great guy. Really, really. I mean, he's really good at what he's I always telling him all the time. I think he's the future. I think he's a generational top. I, I just love his work and how he goes about things. He would be one that, um, he would be one that I'll recommend because he, I mean, he has a story. I mean, this dude, he's, he's younger than me and he's been doing it for so long at such a high level. So I'm, I can only imagine the stories and things that he could, uh, that, that, that he, that he could share with you for sure. All right. I'll, I might have to reach back out to Joe. Um, any other any other individuals that that you can think of in the space, or anyone that you know, former players, coaches, anything like that? Um, I'm talking. There, there, ha- there has to. I'm, I feel like if you could, I mean, Renee Montgomery, she 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 she'll talk. If you could talk to her, she she has really interesting stories, interesting perspectives on certain things. She'll give you a good story. Delvin Bro, I talked about him earlier. Really good guy. You know, he'll, he'll he. He's a talker, so he'll he'll share he'll share. If you ask him the right questions, he'll definitely share. He'll give you some good good information just about you know as a player. So that went on in the locker room, certain things like that. Um, and then one of my other buddies, uh, RC Maxfield, he's a uh, he's actually the one that helped me get the radio job when I was at Tech. So I always have a bunch of affirmation and respect for him as well. He he was at Tech a little longer than me, so he probably could give you some good, really good you know inside stuff about Tech as well from probably all sports. I love it. Tobias, this has all been so super fun. Uh, some great names that I'll be sure to track down. I might be tugging on your shirt and dropping your name as well, though, mm-hmm. saying I was I was lucky enough to chat it up with Tobias. Uh, but thank you so much for jumping on, spending some time, and sharing your insights. Had a lot of fun, man. No problem, man. Thank you. I mean, I've been on a few podcasts since the new year started. I don't say this because we're on. I think this might have been my, my favorite one. I think it was. I think think this this is my favorite one. I think it was. It's fun. I appreciate you. I really do. Those very kind words. And we'll stay in touch. Enjoy the offseason. Hey, I can't get you out of here without asking you uh, who's winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. Please, if you really want to pander to me, you can you can say my team. Uh that's a good question. I mean, I I I want to see the Warriors win it again personally, because I just I just really, really love Steph, but I mean they got a big game tonight. I'm not even confident in this pick. I'm probably going to go Nuggets or play the uh, the Celtics in the in the chip, and then I'll probably go. I'll go. I'll go Boston. I'll go Boston to win it. I want to see like Tatum get him one. See that? Yeah. That's that's very kind. We'll see. Uh, I mean, this whole Jokic Ishbia thing is so ridiculous. I hope he's not yeah. suspended, man. Yeah, they, I, I hope not. I mean, he was he was at fault. He was he, just give the ball up, dude. Like. And, and, and he should know, but he's an owner. Like you know, you can't do that. I, I hope they don't suspend him. Just just let it be. He, yeah. Should he push him? No. But I mean, the other dude was grabbing them too. So you, you know, he just he just reacted. So he's, he'll be all right. I totally agree. Tobias Bass, I'm going to let you go though, man. Thank you again for your time. We'll chat soon down the road. Okay. No problem. Have a good one. All right. We want to thank Tobias for jumping on. Had a lot of fun with him. Very insightful. I think he provided some great recommendations and great advice for aspiring writers. I thought when he mentioned the biggest challenge is, is validating and getting things correct so that he's the second person right as opposed to the first person wrong. 
I really found that interesting. And I appreciate his work in that because there's a lot of fraudsters out there. There's a lot of people who think they, they know something and they think they're in the know and they're just simply not. But Tobias is a great follow. Uh, make sure to give him a follow at Tobias underscore Bass um, for any and all news. I mean, this is the off season now. We're getting personnel changes. We're getting breaking news. So he was a lot of fun, and uh, we we appreciate his kind words. Um, you know, we always like to have guests on that enjoy the program, and uh, it sounded like he certainly did. So thank you again to Tobias. Uh, we are at time, though. We're going to get on, get on out of here. We got uh, more NBA playoffs that the Celtics are going to put me through the ringer for. Hopefully, they take care of business in game five. I don't know. Will Jason Tatum score more than two points in the first half? Will Jalen Brown not double team, went up two, and give up a three-pointer? Will I have to sweat this one out? I know it sounds like I'm an ingrate. I, I get that. But my God, uh, this team... I just want them to be clutch. Please be clutch. Like if it's a one possession game, if it's a one possession game with two minutes to go, can you get that victory for me? I'm on my hands and knees begging, weeping like a puppy to get that victory. So that's a very dramatic outro for the NBA playoffs, but I hope you're enjoying them and the off season will roll on draft is coming up relatively soon folks get ready get your mocks going uh, and we'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops